0: eligible for the draft. Uh, My number was 68. So Uncle Sam beckoned me for service.
1: Hey guys, this is Papa Cam, the number one podcast on the web featuring my dad, Michael Kiefer. Last time in the series, we heard about Mike's early years on the farm, culminating with a call from Uncle Sam. Today we'll be talking about where that call led him, Spoiler alert, it's Vietnam. Bonus Easter egg, if you listen closely, you might be able to pick out my mom in the background of this episode. This is probably my favorite part of the interview, so I hope you enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Did you, so were you drafted, or did you choose to volunteer?
0: Well, I volunteer drafted, which was kind of a interesting thing to say uh my brother was also summoned at the same time um and going in so i asked the uh, draft board if i would be up shortly and she said yes if i passed the physical so i said could i go in with my brother for basic training and uh so we did uh they took the, i passed the physical so they immediately bust me down to fort leavenworth or fort uh Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Wood, one. thank you, in Missouri and uh I spent my time with my brother there. Uh although he had a valuable he had a valuable skill for the military. He had a, a certificate in elect in tractor, yes, he had a certificate in tractor uh mechanics, so they sent him to be uh motor pool and since I had no no skills except a uh liberal arts education and could speak some Spanish and Latin, they sent me uh, to uh,
1: infantry training in Fort Ord, California. So you guys were separated right off the bat pretty much?
0: Well, after the two months roughly of uh, basic training, yeah, we we did uh, the rest of our time in, uh, separately.
1: And how old were you at that time?
0: Oh, I uh, since I had some college. By then I was uh 20. 20? 20. I had turned uh, 20, actually, in boot camp.
1: Um, so after boot camp, uh, where'd they send you?
0: They, they sent me to Vietnam. All um, right, it was Vietnam fodder. Infantry, of course, so they sent me to a forward, uh, uh, actually the, up to the northernmost military region. One, Phu Bai, Vietnam, uh, north of Da Nang, north of, of course, uh, you know, Saigon, way north. Uh, not too far from the DMZ up there in Vietnam.
1: So close to enemy territory? Absolutely.
0: Uh, and But I was in a camp uh, assigned to a headquarters and headquarters company, 2nd Brigade, 101st Airborne
1: Division. Now, uh, they didn't send you straight out into the jungle when you got there. Right? No,
0: I was actually being assigned to a, uh, a rear unit uh, in a way uh, that supported the Edwards and Headquarters company supports the line companies A, B, C, D, E, F. That's that go in the field, and uh, so I probably would have been mainly in the the rear, if you will, uh, in camp, in a camp. Uh, not to say that there were any amenities in the camp. You know, <laughs> no, no clean sheets or or warm water to to bathe with or anything like that. So, so it was a good thing I had that tough farm training, you know, because it came in handy. So checking in at the orderly room, the first sergeant noticed that I'd had a smattering of college and, and the Army always is looking for someone to type and so he asked uh, if I could type and normally I don't volunteer for things uh, in the Army, it's not a good idea, but I took a chance and <laughs> said yes I could type and he had me demonstrate it out of Sports Illustrated and and the company letterhead and I successfully uh, negotiated the Underwood Five manual typewriter and uh, they got the job as company clerk.
1: It's a valuable use of your college education. I
0: guess, I guess. So uh,
1: what were some of your responsibilities as the company clerk?
0: Well, uh, the first one every morning was DA Form 1, Department of the Army Form 1, is manpower. Where are your men? And uh, important to know where your men are if you want to fight a war. So I would fill that out, and uh, the uh, driver would take it over to brigade headquarters and turn it in, of course, so that then everyone, uh, including the generals, would know what our manpower status was. Other thing duties I would do were uh, uh, typing up uh, different types of requests. We, we got emergency requests in from the Red Cross, so I would type up orders and uh, things for people that needed to be transferred or... Temporary duty and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of time uh, close to the shelf of uh, military army regs in order to discover how to to do those types of things.
1: A lot of paperwork then. That it was. It was it, all pretty paperwork? much
0: all paperwork. The army runs on paperwork. Yes, it does. Uh, there were a few other duties going on. Um, I would serve bunker line duty at night, standing uh, guard. Which involves... Uh, Which involves uh, carrying uh, or checking out a weapon from the orderly room and uh, lo- loading it up and going out in a uh, particular spot on the bunker line. Uh, generally, there was a some sort of a, uh, a structure that you would be under uh, for some protection, but you would be, uh, you know, watching outside. Uh, I happen to be mainly at a location that had a ground radar unit but I was not the one, the technician running that. They had a technician running that and then I would just be there. Do a sweep of the bunker line to make sure no one was outside before nightfall. And then stand guard uh, for two hours on, four hours off, unless we were on some type of a heightened alert, then you were on four hours uh, on and only two hours of sleep.
1: Sorry for interrupting, but I just wanted to give a shout out to this episode's sponsor, Sweatpants. Sweatpants are my go-to, all-purpose solution for bare legs. Got a hot date? Wear sweatpants to show that special someone that you reject social norms. Job interview? Sweatpants let your future employer know that you work so hard that you barely have time to clothe yourself. I'm wearing sweatpants right now, and I couldn't make Papa Can without them. Sweatpants. Now back to the show. scary on those watches? or Oh,
0: yeah. It, uh, at first, you know, I was very nervous uh, about every little sound that came. Turns out most of them were rats. Sometimes the people that flew in the choppers from the headquarters, headquarters company, of course, carried 38s. The rest of us carried M-16s, or when I became a sergeant, to 45. But... So they gave
1: you a smaller gun when you became a, a, bigger, Sergeant. a bigger guy. Yeah, <laughs> all right, makes sense. <laughs>
0: because I was really leading men and directing them, supposedly. So I would lead the bunker line, uh, the bunker line sweep outside the, the, the concertina wire.
1: Yeah. So after a little while, though, the little noises became less less stressful. Sk- less yeah. stressful. Yeah, you
0: understood what they were. Little,
1: yeah. Now you
0: only had the monsoon season to contend with, where you were miserable and wet and cold. Like
1: in uh, Forrest Gump, where they've got water come up to their necks or Something like
0: that, something like that, yeah. And sling arms, you know, your barrel or your gun pointed down so the water doesn't get in it and all uh-huh. that kind of stuff, and you're out there.
1: I imagine with all the paperwork and everything, you didn't have a lot of free time to explore the country. No, there
0: was no exploring the country. Um, there I'm was, sure you wouldn't
1: have wanted to if you I, could
0: have. They had no special services. Special services were those people who would show movies that would uh, you know, help you make ashtrays or develop film or whatever the other odd uh, avocations might be. So the... Uh, Sergeant asked me, first sergeant asked me if I would be willing to show movies. He saw that I couldn't handle a typewriter. I guess he thought I could handle a Bell and Howell projector, so. uh, I did show movies. We got like five for a seven-day week, and we had a screen and logs and planks, you know, to sit on and stuff, so it was out in the open. So I ran the projector in the evening, and they gave me a... Couple bucks an hour to do that, instead of having a special services person. <laughs> so, so that kept me occupied, not out of trouble, and I had some interesting people that lived with me. One guy collected uh, specimens; he had geckos in formaldehyde, or, and then he would taxidermy bats every now and then. And, oh man, and do things like that. So we had some pretty uh, talented, talented soldiers, and uh, but mainly we fighted fought boredom. And uh, so I tried to keep busy doing other things.
1: That's good. How long were you over there trying to keep busy?
0: Well, a stint is, uh, a regular tour of duty is 12 months, but if you stayed in for just a little while longer uh, and you had uh, less than six months left uh, of your tour, uh, you could leave the Army when you got back to the States. So we were standing down our unit, which means that we were zeroing out the manpower and we were going to there was no, no longer going to be a Headquarters and Headquarters Company 2nd Brigade because that was happened to be the time period in seventy two, we were pulling back our forces in, in Vietnam so we were closing out. So because they rewarded, you know, those people that could do a good job by keeping them <laughs> instead of letting them go, uh, I stayed a little while longer to uh, process paperwork and stuff to stand down the company and we were cleaning up Equipment and turning it in and that type of thing.
1: So month-wise, is that 14, 16 months? Uh, It was the middle of February
0: that I got out. I'd gone in on January 1st at uh, Fort Lewis, Washington to uh, get processed for Vietnam. So basically I was in from January 1st to January 1st of next year. So any time after Mm -hmm. that was extra. We we spent our uh, uh, time... In the headquarters building, uh, and, and uh, when we woke up in the morning, bulldozers were bulldozing down. All those buildings, uh, hooches we called them, they were on uh, s- uh, short stilts with screen around them. They bu- bulldozed those bright and early? They bulldozed them, started bulldozing bright and early.
1: And so that probably meant it was time to go home.
0: Well, yeah, then they f- uh, we all got in a helicopter, a Chinook uh, helicopter, and flew down to Da Nang. They out-processed us and uh, flew us back. Quite a cheer went up when the plane wheels left the earth in Vietnam.
1: That concludes the second part of our series. Subscribe to Papa Cam and iTunes to receive our next episode while you sleep. Next time, we'll be hearing about Mike's return to the States and his unique path through college. This show was edited and produced by me, Cameron Kiefer. Our fact checker does not exist. You can follow me on Twitter at Cam That's C-A-M-K-I-E-F-F. This show's music was mixed by Christian Esteban. You can find more from Christian at soundcloud.com slash Christian Esteban. Thanks.